Really specific sermon this morning. Um, I'm going to read what would seem to be a pretty boring passage of scripture. And this, um, we're going to continue in this series, Peaks and Valleys, The Life Lessons of Elijah. This is going to be the final one. I was going to end it last week and I felt like the Lord wanted us to talk. I feel like this sermon today is maybe for only 10 to 12 people in our church. But it's going to be very specific, and I think that long-term will accomplish more than maybe anything else we do. Um, this could be a game-changer. Y'all ready for this? All right, would y'all stand to your feet? And um, this is a lot to read, so uh, I'm coming at you with my best reading uh, first grade reading visual voice. And I've, I'm going with no notes today. We're just going to talk. We'll see what happens here. Second uh, Kings chapter two. This is Elijah's grand entry to heaven. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down to Bethel together, uh, together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elijah, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. But the group of prophets from Jericho came to Elijah, Elisha and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elijah, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Fifty men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elijah stopped, back, stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The water divided and the two men went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elijah replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. Verse 11 and as they were t walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, Father, Father, I see the chariots and the charioteurs of Israel. Um, and as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when they had taken up. Then Elisha replied, returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? 
Then the river divided, and Elisha went across. A group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, and they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Amen. Woo! Man, there's some really, really, really cool stuff that happens in this passage, and there's some boring things that I didn't feel like we can just skim over, so I wanted to read the whole passage to you so you knew what we're kind of saying in context. What we know about Elijah, he is um, probably the most, he is the number one prophet in the New Testament spoken about. He lived, he was a big deal. He accomplished great things. He had a crazy boldness about him. He would walk up to kings and tell them what the Lord told him. It's difficult to hear God's voice. It's even more difficult to learn how to obey God's voice. And Elijah had an ability to say things that makes me squirm. I don't know about anyone else, but I want to be as obedient as Elijah was. Elijah had crazy miracles that followed him in his life, mostly because he obeyed God, not like many other people that we find in Scripture. He was favored, um, and... Um, as we get into this, it's going to be pretty awesome. There's several things that I, I take away from just gleaming. The, the end part, I love, love, love when it said that um, the spirit of Elijah, Elijah was upon Elisha and all the people bowed to the ground. First of all, we don't want anyone bowing to the ground, you know, worshiping some dude. Uh, but, um, and Jesus said that at, at Mount Transfiguration, during Transfiguration, uh, that he didn't want anyone worshiping Elijah or Moses. But there wasn't the spirit of Elijah that was on Elijah, just so we all are clear. It was the spirit of Jesus, which they just didn't know. It was the Holy Spirit that came upon him. Uh, but I want that in my life. I don't know about you. Yesterday, I had the opportunity of hanging out with a, a bunch of people that were, were not Christian, and it was cool that I spent the whole day with them. And it was neat throughout the day how many of them uh, would stop when they cussed or, or things that happened and they would check themselves. Uh, and I, 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 although I don't want them to, to feel like they need to be religious around me, I do. I am thankful that the Spirit of God inside me checks them when they're doing wrong and uh, that I have a standard in my life that they recognize. But I want people to recognize the spirit of Jesus living inside me. If you are born again, then we know that the spirit of Jesus lives in you. You become the temple of the living God. He doesn't live in a sanctuary anymore. You become his sanctuary. And Jesus is going to live in you and talk to you and lead you and guide you and convict you. Stop saying that. Stop acting like that. Quit being a jerk. Ask them to forgive you. And he's going to lead you into humility where it becomes less about you and more about him. And I want that for my life. I think that that's really powerful. The other thing that was a little nugget in this passage that I thought was pretty cool, um, it's important for you to know that Elijah is one of the only two people in the entire Bible that didn't die. So this story is really awesome. Because this chariot of fire came down from heaven and it took Elijah away. Like, that's rad, man. I mean, I don't, I've never seen that happen to anyone. So that's cool. But what I really love um, about this is, um, is it still shows me the level of humanity that happens in Elisha in that he was broken when Elijah left and he wept. And I think sometimes there's people in your life, this is just a nugget, this isn't part of the sermon, but there's gonna be people in your life that you will mourn. 
And you'll, you'll, you'll not know why necessarily you're mourning or why it's having a hard time. Elijah, we knew where he was going. He was going to heaven. And Elisha didn't lack anything when he was gone. He got his anointing. He got his cloak. He got everything he wanted. But he didn't have Elijah anymore. And that's worth understanding that it's okay to mourn at the loss of someone significant in your life. Does that make sense? Uh, he had frustration and anger. Scripture says he tore his clothes. Uh, I think that's weird. Uh, but, you know, that's a pretty normal thing in the Old Testament when they got mad. Uh, uh, Mr. Rogers would say, you should bite your lip or punch a pillow, you know. I don't know. But, but here he, he ripped his clothes and he was upset, man. And I think sometimes we have emotions that we don't know what we're going to do with. And I just want you to know when that happens, it's okay. But invite people into your circle and don't do it alone. Make sense? Cool. I'm going to get into the sermon here. And... Um, the first thing that I, I kind of want you to, that I'm, I'm taking away that has been clear for me for months about this passage that our church needs to be aware of is, um, is it's important to recognize that we have a responsibility to teach. Now, this isn't going to land on everyone, but when I'm looking at this passage, for some reason, this guy, Elijah, he's a big deal throughout the Bible. And this is the end of his life, and the Lord is exalting him. And I got to be honest with you, I don't like him at this season of his life. I think Elijah's a jerk. I don't know what's going on, but Elijah's got some kind of complex that if I'm a teacher, I'm telling my students to not act like this guy that the Lord is exalting. What are you saying, Tim? Well, he's a mentor. And from the very moment that we see the relationship of Elijah and Elisha, there is nothing recorded in the relationship of Elijah and Elijah. That's nice. And I don't know what's going on in all of y'all, but what I have seen in the body of Christ is a lot of us get to the point where we want to have knowledge and rest. We just want to serve Jesus. We just want to love God and, and go about our life. But I want you to understand that where Elijah's at in this point of life is not the great commission. And I see a misstep. Maybe it's just me. But from where his life is and then the pattern of what Jesus would teach throughout the New Testament. But I think that many of us in the body of Christ are trying to get to a place where all we want to do is rest. And that screams concern for me for the next generation. I want to make sure you understand that the vision of our church, the whole purpose of why we exist is to make what, guys? Disciples. Come on, someone say it again. Help me out. Why are we trying to be here? To make what? Disciples. This is the great commission. Not to make Christians, but to make disciples. People that talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, love like Jesus, give like Jesus. The problem with that is you have to do it with people. Let me try to break this down a little bit more. As I'm looking at the spirit of Elijah, there was someone in scripture that also came in the spirit of Elijah. Who was that? John the Baptist, right? Before the Messiah come, it was prophesied through the whole Old Testament that Elijah would have to come again before the Messiah came. And he did come in the spirit of Elijah. 
Now, it wasn't actually Elijah that came in John the Baptist. It was the same tone and the same boldness and the same obedience that John the Baptist had. He was willing to go after the Lord regardless of what anyone thought of him, put his own life in harm's sake, and make sure that people knew what God wanted accomplished on earth. He was willing to look at kings and say, you're wrong. Most people, even if they disagree with the king or the president or whoever it is that they're meeting, they put their best outfit on and they smile. And they go, you're pretty awesome because it's a big moment. John the Baptist didn't do that. And Elijah didn't do that. And John the Baptist, it was recorded, his lifestyle looking just the opposite of Elijah in his last days. When John the Baptist met Jesus, he said one of the greatest prayers in all of the Bible I must decrease, and that guy who's coming after me must increase. This is the heart of the gospel. At some point in my life, I thought I was a big shot. I thought I was really important, and I thought most of everything revolved around me. And then entered the Lord. And then I realized, well, the joke's on me, because everything revolves around him. And so what I have learned then is that actually most of the things that went wrong in my life is my fault, I broke it, and I need the Lord to fix it. It's all about him. And I actually don't want people to follow me, but to follow him. And so the whole hope of life is to make sure that people have an opportunity to follow him. Elijah, if he was doing this right, would be decreasing and trying to raise up Elisha. But instead, what we see in scripture it's the first time he met him. He told him to go home to his family and stay there and think about what he said. And then we see him saying, I've got to stay in Bethel for a little while. Why don't you stay here? And then we see him saying, I've got to go to Jericho. I'd like you to stay here. And then he says, I got to go to cross over the Jordan. I'd like you to stay here. And, and that's not what, that's not the idea. Like, hey, I've got to go somewhere. Why don't you come with me? Let me add this another way. I think the gospel depends on us making sure that we're mentoring other people so that there are other people that start, their starting point looks different than ours. Let me say it this way. Yesterday, I got the opportunity to go uh, hang out with my son at a baseball field. And I was hanging out with this old timer for a while. And he was a really nice guy. He wasn't a believer, but I learned a lot from him, man. He taught me about some fishing things. It was really cool. He taught me about some hunting things, some moments with his son and his grandson. And he, he said this, he said that uh, he retired uh, from Publix after working there for like 40 years and said that he, he was able to put up a lot of money and he said he knows that he's getting old and he's gonna die soon and he just wants to make sure that he leaves something behind for his son and his grandson so that they can start with a head start. Pretty awesome, right? And it's funny how the world gets the concept of making sure that others get a head start. In life, if we're not careful, we can die with our best cooking recipes and never pass them on. I don't want it to be said of the coolest things about me that people died and said, I sure wish Tim was here because he could really sing that song like the best of them, you know? That was never, if you don't know, if you're new here, it's never what anyone will say about me. But I, but I don't, I, I, you know, no one can make them like mom or no one can, can, can do this. And I, we have a responsibility to make sure that we pass on great things about you to someone else. And I don't know about you, but I've learned that the best part of me is Christ. 
And it's just an awful thing that we're raising up a YouTube generation that's learning how to ask a girl out on YouTube, learning how to tie a tie on YouTube, that's learning how to drive a car on YouTube, learning how to cook, bake, preach, read the Bible, all on YouTube. And it's not designed to be that way. We were designed to have mentors, people to look up to, people that loved us and cared about us and said, I want to do life with you. And Elijah missed it. Stay here, kid. Because it's difficult to mentor someone. It's ugly, it's messy, they make mistakes, and it's just annoying sometimes. Your kids, I love you, Micah, but sometimes you just get on my nerves. You'll figure it out on your own. I'm so tired of telling you again and again and again and again, but that's not true. Because I love watching you step into great moments in your life, and it makes me proud. And I remember my pastor would tell me that the whole hope of his life was that we would do greater things than he ever could. And I want that to be said of my kids, and I want that to be said of our church, and I want to make sure that the gospel advances further than I ever could. That's the heart of the gospel. And I just want to say to anyone here, you don't know when your, when your t- ticket's going to get punched, but you have a responsibility to teach the things that you know the things that you love, the things that are good. And we have people that don't know how to change a tire. And it's common sense to you. Don't do it alone. Bring someone along with you. That makes sense? Second thing that I see in this passage, holy Jesus, I got to go, um, is um, we have a responsibility to learn. I see what I love in this passage is Elisha. Man, he's stubborn, this little kid. I don't know if he's a little kid or not, but I like to think of him as a little kid. Uh, But the passage tells me that every time Elijah told him to stay here, he said no. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, what I I see, I I can't speak of anyone else, but what I hear is rejection. Like Like I don't like you. I don't know what's going on in this relationship. But I'm thankful for people that have decided something and are not quitting. Mm -hmm. This relationship means more to me than anything else going on in my life, and I'm not quitting. You know what I mean? Like, babe, I don't care. I'm not leaving you. Like, I'm like, I'm going to get on your nerves until the day you die, but I'm not leaving you. Like this, it means more to me than anything else. There are relationships in our life that we just can't give up on. Even though you're not giving me all the things I want. You're not teaching me like I like. Like sometimes it's gonna, it's gonna be hard learning the things that you want to learn with the people that God's called you to learn it with. Let me just make sure you understand. The gospel doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why God asks us to give when we all have this desire to, and crave more. It doesn't make sense to me that the gospel asks us to forgive others when like they're probably gonna hurt us again, yet this is the only way to freedom on the inside. It definitely doesn't make sense to me while the Lord desired to build his church with people. Because we're the problem. Like any church you ever gone to, the reason why you didn't like it is because you met someone there. It's hard. I mean, dealing with people and working with people is complicated. It's hard and there's a lot of burdens in it. But if you want to learn, if you want to grow, 
And what I love about, about, about Elisha is when Jesus said, blessed are they, Lacey, she said earlier this morning, she did the huddle and she said, I, I know Pastor Tim, is, I don't know what he's going to say on today. I just have this verse I want to share with you. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It was already in my notes. It was really awesome. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The reason why Elisha got what he wanted was because he refused to let go of the desire to do great things. And he didn't want to just do great things for himself. He didn't want to just do great things like, like his, his predecessor. He wanted, he wanted to do better things than Elijah. I want a double portion of your anointing. I want to be twice as awesome as you. So give me, all, to teach me all the things. And I just, in my heart, I pray that you don't lose the dream of the things that God put in your heart that you were capable of doing. Some of you got married one day and had a dream that your marriage could be awesome. And somewhere along, you gave up on that dream. Well, don't be an idiot because you got to fight for that thing. It's going to be hard. One of you had, a, you, 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 you had a dream that you'd be an awesome parent and now you got there and it's tough. Well, of course it's tough. You had a dream, you, you get this awesome education and have this great job. And you can just stay there because that's easy. But it's not easy. It's actually going to make your life harder. When you give up on your marriage or give up on your kids or give up on things that God has called great, it doesn't make life easier. It's always going to get harder. It doesn't matter. You, you, you have one option of hard and another option of hard. The problem is you have to decide what you want. And I want to grow. I want to do great things. I want to go and, mm, I can't get there yet. I have to stay in this. Rejection. The problem is pushing into my dream pushes against all my insecurities. And I think it's absolutely awesome that Elisha was willing to push against all of his insecurities to find the breakthrough that he wanted. Because there were some real fears inside every one of us. Real fears. And fear has a way of paralyzing you, telling you that you can't grow or you can't have or you can't do. And it's crap. It's just the enemy. God has not given, the Lord has not given you a spirit of what? Fear. He hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. All right. I don't know. I said all that to get to this point. I, I believe that this, like, while I'm trying to, like, sprinkle in some little cool stuff for everyone, I think this is only going to really grab a couple people, but that's all right. That's my hope. The third thing that I think we have a responsibility to do. And when I look at this passage of Scripture, we have, I see Elijah doing the literal impossible, Right? Scripture says now there's only four times in the Bible, in the entire Bible, that we can re see recorded, excuse me, that God stopped some kind of river or ocean and people walked on dry land. It was Moses, uh, 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 Joshua, and in, in, uh, in the, 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 the Jordan. Jordan parted three times. I just caught that right now. That was cool for me. And then, and then Elijah takes off his mantle, which his mantle is basically his jacket. It's his coat. It's his, uh, uh, his mantle. What, what does he call it here in this passage? Uh, some people call it a cloak in other passages. It's his, it's his jacket. It's what made him significant. It was his jacket. 
And he took off his jacket, he rolled it up, and he slapped the water. I don't know what this looked like. To me, I get the image of like, you ever see the movie Grumpy Old Men? I, I, at this point in life, I just see Elijah as a grumpy old man, and he's maybe just like, because it doesn't even say he prayed, you know, and that's the kind of thing that's kind of funny about this, is he just kind of like got angry, and, and I think the anointing inside of him just responded. That's my version. You can have a different version of Elijah. It's okay. But uh, it says that he struck the water. Now, what's cool about this to me is the problem where I see the church at. Now, we did a series on this earlier in the year, and I really believe that we, as, the, as this generation, are stuck in like a time zone. What I love about this is Elijah Jah, went up into heaven, fair, chariots of fire, awesome. Elisha picks up that mantle and walks right back to that river. And he did the only thing that he knew he can do. Because he refused to follow his mentor, uh, to not follow his mentor. He's seen someone else doing, and if you watch the prayer that he prayed, it's pretty awesome. He says, where is the God of Elijah? I love it, man. Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? What kind of prayer is that? I didn't teach anyone that kind of prayer. Like, you're supposed to use in Jesus' name, and you're supposed to throw some, like, this is what the word of the Lord says, and the, like, and he, this is not, but it's what he learned, it's what he saw, it's what he knew, it's what he prayed. And he gets to the other side and people look at him and go, whoa, you're different, dude. Here's why I think that this is significant. Something happened inside all of us that caused you to feel that you were not as, you were less than where you are. You know, in China and in the Philippines and in Thailand and all these other things, they have 13 and 14 year old lead pastors of churches. But in our generation, there's no way I can do it because I'm not good enough yet. I can tell you right now, that 13-year-old is not good enough to do what he's, like, I'm 40 and I'm definitely still, like, trying to figure this thing out on a weekly basis. Like, God, if you could call someone else to do this. Uh, what All the Lord needs is someone who's willing to seek him and be obedient. And the rest will figure itself out. But what I love about Elisha did was what he knew. What I know that I know that I know is that what we can't not do is what you know is possible. You've seen God th do things and somewhere inside, you haven't started accomplishing that very thing that you know he can do. Here's what I mean. Bill, you've been in some crazy moves of God. People healed and laid down on the floor and all kinds of miracles happening. And I, I challenge you in the name of Jesus to make sure that we know that's possible again. Ellie, you've been in some crazy evangelism opportunities. And in the name of Jesus, I know that God has put those dreams inside of you. And so I speak to those moments, that teacher and that gifting inside of you, and I cause you to make those moments happen for us, that we would have the dreams that happened in you. Some of you have seen crazy financial miracles and crazy deliverance and crazy teachings and powerful worship settings. But we, we stop there as if we know that God is capable of doing it through someone else. Someone better. 
someone more qualified, someone more wise or anointed. But the greatest tragedy that we could have in our generation is going to heaven with our mantle. Far be it from me. Listen, your kids deserve your time more than the television. You have dreams of making memories with them. Then you gotta, you gotta do it now. What is it that you wanna pass on? I know that the Lord has put a dream inside many of you and he's put experiences inside many of you. And what I know is that if Elisha would have never walked back to that Jordan, if he never saw Elijah do it, he would have never known he can do it. And the people on the other side would have never known it was possible. And I want to make sure that people in my life know that there's nothing that God can't do. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. So I believe God's not done using you yet. But if you've seen him do it, then I beg you, invite people over your house and have communion. Invite people over your house and read the word together. Invite people over your house and let's go share our faith or go witnessing or, or bring the Holy Spirit down and let's pray. Let's do devotion with our kids. You know that God's capable of doing it, yet you felt like it stopped with the last generation. Don't go to heaven with that mantle. Show me. Show me what you have seen the Lord do before and you do it again. I think it's one of my favorite things that I've seen in the entire scripture. I'm almost done. I mean, it's, what's goofy about it to me is that Elijah's prayer is one of the weakest in the whole Bible, I think. It's, it's the very prayer I wouldn't pray. But you don't have to know how to do it the right way. Do it wrong. But do it sincerely because you want to see the Lord exalted in your life. I can't tell you how many sermons I preached that were goofy and awkward and not even like, maybe sometimes not even biblical, you know? <laughs> People love you long enough, they'll tell you you're an idiot and you need to not say that ever again. It'll, it'll be all right, but like, Find people in your life that are younger or older that will teach you or that you can teach others. But man, it was awesome when I'd go to Nicaragua and we'd go to the, the coffee farm out there. And uh, you know, I think you guys heard, we, we, we've started 43 churches out there in the coffee farms in Nicaragua. And, and these people would come, not Christian, they'd come for harvest season and they'd pick the coffee beans for, for two to three months. And during those times, they would join Bible studies, they'd get saved, and they would tell them at the end of the harvest, you're the lead pastor now in your village. And they're only Christian for two months. And guys, what, I'm, what you need to know is that some, you're, you're, you're the only Jesus that some people are ever going to know. Like, you're qualified. If he's living in you, you're good. I'm done. Um, I guess my prayer is that we as a church don't wait for Pastor Tim to come up with the next great idea. Because that's not the way the body of Christ was designed to be. You have dreams and things that God has called you to do with us. 
Let's do it together. And then I would just say, over your marriage, over your kids, over your finances, with your friends, we must be bringing people, bring people over and have dinner. Play poker. Watch a movie. Make memories. But don't just turn the TV on and go. You're not, make, you're not, you're not doing life that way. But we had dreams. And somewhere along the line, we stopped doing those things. Is that fair? Otherwise, if we're not careful, we can just work and come home and hope that our kids and our friends figure it out on their own. Jesus. <laughs> I don't even know if, why this is the sermon today, but I know that it is. I know that it's the story of Elijah. And he didn't want to mentor. But he did, in fact, leave things behind. And I pray, God, that you put a hunger in our church like Elisha to want to learn, to want to grow. There are many of us that are Googling information about how to learn all kinds of things that aren't have anything to do with you. But I want to know you, Lord. And I want that to be the greatest call of my heart and the greatest cry within the people of our church that we want to be in the room where you're moving. And we want to hear your voice. And we want to know the freedom and the liberty that only you can bring. We want to be in the room when you're cleansing someone of their sin or healing them of their pride or touching, healing their unforgiveness. Lord, wherever your spirit is, is the most wonderful place on earth. Help us, God, to bring people with us that when we meet with you, they meet with you.